Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this podcast series is going to be about the book of Genesis. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to, to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. If you're interested in a deep analysis of the book of Genesis, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy what you hear here, and if you have any questions, you can share, link, and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to the Genesis podcast. This is going to be a discussion of Genesis chapter 39. Now remember, here we have Joseph, who has been sold into Egypt. He's about 17 years old. Keep in mind that he does not have a bishop to be with him and to give him advice and counsel. He doesn't have a priest quorum advisor, doesn't have other priests he can associate with. Uh, Can't go to sacrament meeting to renew his covenants. So there's a lot of things about this uh, young man that uh, are pretty remarkable considering his circumstances. Uh, We know that from Elder McConkie that uh, spirituality is a gift or a talent that we learned prior to coming to mortality. And it looks like Joseph must have developed that pretty strongly before he came here because he certainly does have that while in mortality. So let's go ahead and get into chapter 39. Verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt in Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard in Egypt, bought him at the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him an overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had done, all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, and well favored. We meet him next in the slave market. Here, as it might seem in the natural course of events, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites. The name Potiphar frequently occurs on the monuments of Egypt, written either pet pa ra or pet pi ra and means dedicated to Ra, or the sun. According to some writers, at the time that Joseph was sold into Egypt, the country was not united under the rule of a single native line, but governed by several dynasties, of which the 15th dynasty of shepherd kings was the predominant one, the rest being tributary to it. At any rate, he would be carried into that part of Egypt, which was always most connected with Palestine. Potiphar's office at the court of Pharaoh was that of chief of the executioners, most probably, as it is rendered in our authorized version, captain of the king's bodyguard, in the house of Potiphar, and went with Joseph as formerly in his own home. For it is not in the power of circumstances, prosperous or adverse, to alter our characters. He that is faithful in little shall also be faithful in much, and from him who knoweth not how to employ what is committed to his charge shall be taken even that he hath. Joseph was faithful, honest, upright, and conscientious, because in his earthly he served a heavenly master, whose presence he always realized. Accordingly, Jehovah was with him, and Jehovah made all that he did to prosper in his hand. His master was not long in observing this. From an ordinary domestic slave, he promoted him to be overseer over his house, 
and all that he had he put into his hand. The confidence was not misplaced. Jehovah's blessing henceforth rested upon Potiphar's substance, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught that he had save the bread which he did eat. The sculptures and paintings of the ancient Egyptian tombs bring vividly before us the daily life and duties of Joseph. The property of great men is shown to have been managed by scribes who exercised the most methodical and minute supervision over all the operations of agriculture, gardening, the keeping of livestock, and fishing. Every product was carefully registered to check the dishonesty of the laborers who in Egypt have always been famous in this respect. Probably in no country was farming ever more systematic. Joseph's previous knowledge of tending flocks and perhaps of husbandry and his truthful character exactly fitted him for the post of overseer. How long he filled it, we are not told. That was by Alfred Edersheim. Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Now we can imagine uh, that Joseph was probably a handsome young man. We know that his mom... Uh, Rachel was beautiful. We know that her, his grandmother, Rebecca, was the most beautiful person that the servant had ever seen. And we know that Sarah, his great-grandmother, was also very beautiful. So he comes from a long line of good-looking people. Verse 8, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master knoweth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice that he's mentioning here who he's sinning against. It's not uh, against Potiphar or the wife or himself even, but it's against God. You can see that Joseph, in spite of the situation that he's in, continues to have faith in God, that God's going to help him no matter what he does. Verse 10, And it came to pass as he spake, to Joseph, as she spake to Joseph day by day, so this is not just a one-time temptation, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. The temptation did not occur just once, but many times over a period of time. Joseph is a great example to us of diligently keeping the commandments no matter what. Joseph's integrity is in contrast to the chapter that we read previously about Judah. Verse 11, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. This sounds like a setup, doesn't it? The fact that there's no men in the house, I wonder if Potiphar's wife has sent them away uh, so that she can do this uh, seduction that she's going to try on him. Verse 12, And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Hartman Rector Jr. said, Joseph did the very best thing he could, under the circumstances. In today's language, he ran. Maybe that doesn't sound like a very sophisticated thing to do, but sometimes running is the only thing to do. It is so important that young people who are unmarried erect barriers against temptation to help them avoid the, the compromising situations. May I suggest a few barriers? One, never go into a house alone with one of the opposite sex. Two, never, never enter a bedroom alone with one of the opposite sex. Three, do not neck or pet. 4. Never park on a lonely road with just the two of you alone. 5. Do not read pornographic literature. 6. Do not attend movies that encourage immoral behavior. Yes, Joseph ran, and because he did, he was temporarily placed in prison where he was shut out from society. But if he had not run, he would have been an eternal prisoner, being shut out from God, perhaps forever, because he would not have been in condition to receive the necessary communications that made him the great prophet that he was. 
Verse 13, And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and, and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house, and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a, a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. <clears throat> and it came to pass, I'm wondering if these uh, male servants that are part of the household, who were also under Joseph's supervision, probably knew better. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard these, the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. I'm wondering who he was mad at, at his wife or at Joseph. I don't think he was too mad at Joseph. I think he knew better. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. Potiphar most likely did not believe his wife. He knew that Joseph would not do what he was accused of. If he thought Joseph was guilty, he would have had him executed. He at least, to placate his wife, put Joseph in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound and he was there in the prison. President Benson said, When Joseph was in Egypt, what came first in his life, God, his job, or Potiphar's wife? When she tried to seduce him, he responded by saying, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph was put in prison because he put God first. If we were faced with a similar choice, where would we place our first loyalty? Can we put God ahead of security, peace, passions, wealth, and the honors of men? When Joseph was forced to choose, he was more anxious to please God than to please his employer's wife. When we are required to choose, are we more anxious to please God than our boss, our teacher, our neighbor, or our date? Because Potiphar had great power with the Pharaoh, and perhaps was even head of the royal executioners, it is remarkable that Joseph was only put into prison and unexecuted. A slave accused of attempting to rape his master's wife would seem to have deserved the most severe punishment, and yet Joseph was only imprisoned. Could it be that Potiphar, knowing of Joseph's character and his wife's character, suspected the truth, and although he had to take action, chose comparatively lenient punishment? Whatever the case, the, the hand of the Lord certainly preserved Joseph from what would otherwise have been almost certain death, and that was out of the Old Testament manual. We have reason to believe that Potiphar could not in every respect have credited the story of his wife. For the punishment awarded in Egypt to the crime of which he was accused was far more severe than that which Joseph received. Potiphar consigned him to the king's prison, of which, in his capacity as chief of the bodyguard, he was the superintendent. How bitterly it fared there with him at the first. We learn from these words of Psalm 105, He sent before them a man, sold for a slave was Joseph. They afflicted with fetters his feet. The iron entered into his soul. And that was by Alfred Edersheim. So we can see that when Joseph was put into prison, that he was uh, he had his feet bound, at least at the beginning. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The ability to turn everything into something good appears to be a godly characteristic. Our Heavenly Father always seems able to do this. Everything, no matter how dire, becomes a victory of the Lord. Joseph, although a slave and wholly undeserving of his fate, nevertheless remained faithful to the Lord and continued to live the commandments and made something very good of his degrading circumstances. People like this cannot be defeated. Verse 22, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. 
and whatsoever they did there, he was the overseer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. The spiritual greatness of Joseph is a remarkable thing. How many people have become bitter over some real or imagined slight, or blame the Lord for some personal tragedy? In the very midst of being faithful and holding true to that which is right, Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. How easy it would have been for him to give up and to say, what's the use of trying to serve God? All he does is punish me. But there was not a trace of bitterness, no blaming the Lord. Joseph just continued being righteous and faithful. Unselfishly, he offered to interpret the dreams of his two fellow prisoners, telling them that the knowledge came from God. He still trusted in the Lord, although he must have felt doomed to spend his life in prison. If any person had cause for discouragement and bitterness, it was Joseph, but he never faltered in his faith. Truly, Joseph is a model to be emulated, and that was out of this Institute Manual. It is a common mistake to suppose that earnest religion and uprightness must necessarily be attended by success, even in this world. It is indeed true that God will not withhold any good thing from those whose son and shield he is, but then success may not always be a good thing for them. Besides, God often tries the faith and patience of his people, and that is the meaning of many trials. Still oftener are they needed for discipline and training, or that they may learn to glorify God in their surroundings. In the case of Joseph, it was both a temptation and a trial by which he was prepared outwardly and inwardly for the position he was to occupy. The beauty which Joseph had inherited from his mother exposed him to wicked suggestions on the part of his master's wife, which will surprise those least who are best acquainted with the state of ancient Egyptian society. Joseph stood quite alone in a heathen land and house. He was surrounded only by what would, what would blunt his moral sense and render the temptation all the more powerful. He had also, as compared with us, a very imperfect knowledge of the law of God in its height and depth. Moreover, what he had seen of his older brothers would not have elevated his views. Still, he firmly resisted evil, alike from a sense of integrity towards his master, and above all from dread of this great wickedness and sin against God. Yet it seemed only to fare the worse with him for his principles. As so often, the violent passion of the woman turned into equally violent hatred, and she maliciously concocted a false charge against him. The contrast would scarcely be greater than between his former prophetic dreams and his present condition. But even so, Joseph remained steadfast. And as if to set before us the other contrast between, slight, between sight and faith, the sacred text expressly states it, but a word on which our faith should often lay emphasis. Jehovah was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. By and by, as his integrity more and more appeared, the charge of the prisoners was committed unto him, and as what he, he did Jehovah made to prosper, the whole management of the prison ultimately passed into Joseph's hands. Thus here also Jehovah proved himself a faithful covenant God. A silver streak was lining the dark cloud, but still must patience have her perfect work. And that was by Alfred Edersheim. I uh, am thankful for the example that Joseph sets and that he continues to set even today. I bear testimony of the truth of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.